Hi, and welcome to A Pathway to Healing and Authentic Power, Tackling Gender-Based Violence, podcast that aims to create a space for healing and support through love and comfort. I am your host, Kinsani Nklovu, a member of the Cosmic Haven team. Firstly, I would like to thank you for tuning into this podcast, and I hope this is what you are looking for. The reason for starting this podcast was mainly to give a voice to the survivors of gender-based violence and to help to shift the mindset of society's views on gender-based violence. I think it is important to have spaces like these for listeners to be educated on not just statistics and research of the victims of gender-based violence, but to actually hear how an experience like that changes your life forever and how survivors have dealt with it thus far. As I mentioned earlier, that I am a member of the Cosmic Haven team, and at the beginning of August, we launched a weekly webinar called the Safe Haven webinar. These webinars are set up, set up an environment for people who have been victims of gender-based violence to speak their truth in a non-judgmental space surrounded by people who offer them support and kindness. These webinars are specifically were specifically useful for me because I was exposed to how gender-based violence is not just about alcoholic husbands beating their wives, even though that is a big part of it, but also about including verbal abuse, emotional abuse, and even the senseless killings of the members of the LGBTQ community. In these safe haven webinars, we discussed ways in moving forward by decreasing the skyrocketing statistics of victims of the victims of gender-based violence. One of the ways we have in mind is to help start the healing journey through the women's program, our women's program. At these sessions, women were taught tools for empowerment and self-love with techniques such as affirmations, mirror work, and the golden circle. This program really helped women to get to the core of themselves and their issues and help themselves start to heal and forgive themselves. This program really made us really made me feel confident in myself and my abilities and helped me to become the strong, brave and incredible person that I am today. Here to talk more about the Safe Haven and the women's program is the CEO of the Cosmic Haven. Leola Rambo. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to a path of healing and authentic power podcast. It is wonderful. It is wonderful to have you here. So can you please so can I please ask you to introduce yourself to the audience and explain what your role is in the Cosmic Haven? Thank you for having me um, share with you today. So I started Cosmic Haven about 16 years ago and um, basically Cosmic Haven was 
I'm gonna call it my baby that came through my own experience around the healing that I needed to go through. Um, it started off with me going through my own healing journey, which was based on um, trauma that I've experienced and the fact that I was also physically unwell, um, diagnosed with epilepsy. And the uh, medically, doctors could not control the epilepsy or the seizures, and I needed to seek an alternative to it. Um, subsequently to that, I was also in, uh, traumatized or uh, experienced a traumatic event in my life where we were hijacked and I was raped and I could not find the healing that I needed just by doing it with uh, or going through the normal medical ch uh, channels. I needed more than that. And I started off with uh, Reiki, um, going to see someone for Reiki, that was really a crazy session because I did not believe in Reiki, I could, I did not even believe in praying or in God, um, and, and for me to, to go and sit and have someone doing Reiki on me was really weird, but it was okay, it was fine. Um, I think I went for one session and then didn't go back for like a while, until I realized one day I needed to do something to heal, something more than just the medical part of it because obviously medically it was not, there was nothing helping me. Um, I was in hospital like every second week. I had seizures, uncontrollable seizures. I had a, a two-year-old son um, that could, had to deal with the trauma of seeing me have a seizure. And there was times we were alone at home and we couldn't, he didn't know what to do. So for me, all of that trauma that he was going through was something that I did not want to continue seeing my child go through. And that's when I decided, my sister, who, who was far more spiritual than I am, said to me, um, you know, why don't you try something like Reiki? I had no clue what it is. I didn't understand it. But I had nothing to lose. And I did it. Um, so I went for intensive, what I call therapy, for a period of like a year. So I went for sessions almost every week. Um, the woman even said to me, I was worse than an ICU case. I don't think she said that to anybody else. Um, but... What I realized was I needed to put the work into it and I needed to find the healing and go through the healing. While I was doing that, I was going for therapy every um, second or third week. Uh, I was seeing a psychologist to help me with the trauma of the rape. But that too was not enough and I just needed a whole lot more. So for me, it was both. It was the seeing a psychologist and going through my own spiritual healing that helped me to get to where I am today. Um, and, and I believe that Cosmic Haven was and is still and a center that is there to help not only women, but to help all people who go through whatever pain, emotional pain, um, physical, mental or spiritual pain and suffering and to help them to come to terms with it and understand that there's a space for healing. Wow. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, I, I don't think there's much anything else to say. Um, but anyway, moving forward. <laughs> so can you briefly tell us the driving force behind developing the Safe Haven, Haven webinar and the women's program? Okay, so as I said, I, for me, my need to heal uh, the, the experience of the rape was 
the driving force for, for all of my healing in terms of where I wanted to be because I, I needed more. I needed to heal holistically. I wasn't healing holistically. Um, and this is the spiritual journey for me was the holistic healing that I needed. Um, I, during that, I found tools and processes that helped me to deal with my own trauma. They helped me to deal with my own emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, even the mental pain and suffering. And I believe that those tools were important to share with everybody else who, who, uh, where I felt like, you know, there was no hope. There was uh, like giving up completely because going through any kind of trauma like this, it can kill your soul. And I felt like that is what it did to me. Uh, part of my soul had died the night when I was raped. And didn't, I didn't ever think that I would be able to feel like I needed to love or that there was a need for me to be to continue loving until I went through this process. So it took, it took me like 10 to 15 years to go through it. Um, and I don't believe or I, be, I, I think it's important for women to understand and, and anyone else who goes through any emotional trauma or, or uh, sexual trauma and abuse that you don't have to wait for 15 years to go to, to heal that these tools and processes are there for you. And that's what I want to share with people. And that is why I want to get this out to as many women, children, men as possible, just to say to you that there is hope and don't give up. Um, the other thing is that the women's program for me is um, something that I'm passionate about in terms of just saying that we should not only be remembering what women and children go through on specific dates like the August Women's Month and then we suddenly all in agreement that we need to focus on women and children. It is something that needs to be a continuous thing that we work with. If we want to be shaking or breaking the stigma around uh, rape, around gender-based violence, we need to do it continuously. And that's why the women's uh, program, the kids' program and the men's program. Again, okay. Um, do you think that the Safe Haven webinars and the women's program have helped people? Based on the feedback from uh, people who attended our women's program, which we launched in uh, two years ago, the response and the feedback has been extremely positive. The Safe Haven sessions, uh, which, we, which you said we launched last month, um, the feedback from there has also been extremely positive. Women have been coming forward and just talking about how much it's helped them to cope with their own stuff that they're going through. A lot of women don't really want to talk about what they're experiencing, quite simply because, they, for me, it, it, it's two reasons. The one is that... I think we've all been indoctrinated and conditioned to believe that as women we need to be strong and we need to keep our households together, keep our families together, um, and we shouldn't complain. There's this thing that women should not complain. And it's part of the conditioning. Um, and so this these safe haven sessions is an opportunity for women to talk about what they're feeling, to talk about what they've been going through. Also, just an opportunity for women who don't share, but have, who listen to other women who talk and who take the time then to reflect on their own circumstances and where they are at in life. Mm -hmm. And that alone is the most, uh, I think for me, inspiring thing 
is if we can reach out to at least one or two women at a time when we're doing these sessions and running these programs, then we're actually doing something that is worth uh, continuing. Mm. And I think that it's also inspiring because that one or two women will then talk about it to their friends and their friends will then also start the, what do you call it? The ripple effect. Yes, yes. And that, that is important because the thing about it is we want to reach out and, and like you were saying, we want to reach out to as many women or not only women but, but people who need the help who've been through some form of abuse uh, through trauma and who need help and support. And that's what we want to do is to just be able to reach out to them and to let them know that there is hope and you actually do not have to go through this on your own. True, true. It's, it's comforting to know that there's places like these for us to go to. Okay. Uh, my next question. What more do you think we can do as a society to rehabilitate society's views on gender-based violence? What is important is creating awareness. And the awareness that we need to be creating needs to start with creating the awareness around values, simple values that people need to be living their lives based on. And that would normally start in a household, in the home, and in a, at a family, in a family unit. But over and above that, we can be taking those kinds of uh, teachings and mindful practices into schools as well, where we can teach children how important it is to be able to uh, respect each other, where we can start shifting and changing the mindset in terms of how men should behave and that men should not, men don't cry or real men don't cry. Um, and, and start breaking those um, conditionings and beliefs that have basically contributed towards developing a toxic masculine society or world that we're living in right now. So for me, there's, there's a few things that need to happen. And the one is that we need to start teaching our children because they are they're the future adults of this world. And if we don't get it right with them, we're going to continue with a problem like this for eternity and we don't actually want that. We want to be able to um, help uh, men with their own healing because I do believe that if we tap into the energy of just the, ma the male energy and the masculine energy that exists right now, that men have been going through this um, process of manhood that comes from generations and generations before about how men need to behave when we actually, there's no longer a space for that kind of behavior anymore. So we need to start teaching men and helping them and showing them, you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel your emotions. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to feel vulnerable. And then it's about women and how do we begin to shift and change the way women behave and how women see themselves. Because we've been living in this toxic masculine world for so many years, hundreds of years already, we uh, need to now bring back what we call the divine feminine energy. And that divine feminine energy is asking us to actually break down and disrupt the norms around the masculine energy. And that means women need to start looking at how they behave mm -hmm. and how they uh, respond to things happening in their lives. 
and also that it's okay for you to be feminine it mm. is okay for you to be a woman and to love yourself completely mm. it is okay for you to be a woman and be creative and crazy and out there that's okay so and it's okay for you to be a woman and cry you don't have to hold it together for everybody else you can cry you can feel what you're feeling so it's about showing society and humanity that when we're able to deal with our emotions in a constructive way in positive way we can shift and change how things are uh, how we behave and respond to each other hmm. oh okay so do you think you would be doing a men's program and what would it be about yes on? definitely a men's program um i believe that a men's program is something that we need to do and that would simply be an introductory program that will allow them to be able to talk about what they're feeling allow them to uh, uh be at ease and comfortable with the fact that they have emotions and they can give expression to those emotions mm. so it's very simple stuff but it's for example it's about creating emotional awareness and teaching them about emotional intelligence um it's interesting because you have a lot of authors who are male and who are men who write on emotional intelligence um oh. so so that's just something for us to think about because then so why can't we be then like you said you know the ripple effect mm. taking that down into communities and into our homes into our schools etc so saying teaching men that you can feel and it's mm. important to feel and it's also important about how you respond to those feelings and how you choose to respond to it so for me that's what this program would be about i also think that it's important what the one thing that we often are blinded to is the fact that we we think that it's only women who need a space to talk like the safe haven space i believe and this is based on some of the things i've been reading on instagram and some of the stories that men have been sharing about their abuse mm. and i believe that if men have a space where they can share and they know they're not being judged that's what we need to provide for them mm. and it's also teaching both men and women that within us we have both masculine and feminine energy and we can choose how we balance it out true true to organize <laughs> okay okay would you like to add anything before you go anything else i think one of the things that we we must continue to do is that um for me these podcast sessions or, or the podcast program itself need, we we would be sharing different tools and processes that people can use for their own healing but i think more than that is that we as a society and community is just to be able to let each person know that you don't have to go through all of your pain and your trauma and depression and everything else that you feel based on these experiences by yourself you just need to reach out and there is always someone there for you i think that is especially important to remember in a time and a climate like this with so much confusion and i don't know unknowingness anyway 
Thank you again for helping me start this first episode of this podcast and I hope that we hear from you soon. For me for more information you can visit our Facebook and Instagram pages at Cosmic Haven and our websites at www.cosmichaven.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Hi and welcome to A Path to Healing and Authentic Power podcast. I am your host, Kinsani Nglovo. In today's topic, we will be discussing how to know if you are in an abusive relationship. I will explore the types of abusive relationships, the process of acknowledgement and acceptance, and how to start your healing journey. I will also talk about the possible reasons why some people stay in abusive relationships. The information provided will be useful for married couples, high school sweethearts, friends with benefits, and children in abusive homes. This can be of aid to both men and women that are in abusive relationships. As you listen to this section, and if anything strikes a chord, please do not judge yourself. Instead, acknowledge the realizations and possibility of beginning your healing journey. Let us start off by defining abuse. What is an abusive relationship? Abuse is a form of behavior to maintain power and control over a partner which is usually displayed through physical violence or emotional manipulation. Abuse tends to escalate over time. When someone uses abuse and violence against a partner, it is always a part of a larger pattern of control. Globally, one in three women experience physical or sexual violence, mostly by an intimate partner. While domestic violence and abuse are sometimes hidden, if we know the signs of a know the signs of an abusive relationship, we may be able to recognize it better and seek or offer help. Remember, do not judge yourself as awareness comes through and to be open. Sometimes we feel like we are always attracting relationships with men or women that constantly take advantage of us and we wonder why. These explanations might help you figure out why. What attracts you to men or women who are controlling and abusive? Most of us have been in at least one bad relationship that we wish we were never a part of, but some of us have made sure to go back to such relationships when meeting a new partner. However, Some of us fall into the trap of attracting only abusive partners over and over again, and you wonder why this is constantly happening. I can think of a few explanations. It feels familiar. Most people tend to be products of their environment and of what they have learned from people around them while growing up. If you are raised in a hostile or violent environment, or one that there was not a lot of respect, you are most likely going to accept this type of behavior 
for yourself. You might, you might attract the sort of behavior because that's the behavior you know and that somehow weirdly feels normal. Filling a void. Wounds. When we meet someone whose personality or character seems to give us the missing piece, we are drawn to him or her and we are unable to see their true character. Daddy issues. When it comes to how you view a man and the type of man you feel comfortable with, the main reference or influence is the father or father figure. How your father or father figure treats you and your mother figure will have an impact on the type of men you attract. If your mind has associated violence or abuse with love, then that is what you are more likely to attract. Too emotionally dependent. If you rely on your partner to make you feel worthy or happy, and don't develop a strong sense of self-independence of your partner, then you are more than likely to set yourself up for a lot of harm, hurt, and heartache. Work on yourself first and find out what it is you enjoy and what you want outside of your relationship. That way, you will learn to develop independence and rely more on yourself to find happiness. Once you slowly start to become aware of and reflect on why you continuously choose the wrong partners, you slowly start to accept responsibility and stop looking at yourself as the victim. Once that happens, you become more aware of making better choices for yourself when it comes to choosing a good partner. It's not that you intentionally or unintentionally look for abusers. It's that abusers search for you. They search for people they can abuse and can easily manipulate. Like a thief looks for an unsuspecting victim on the streets. When looking for a partner, be specific about the qualities you'd like in a potential partner. Never be ashamed once you realize that you're attracting abusers. Be proud that you have realized this. After a breakup, maybe it would be a good idea to not be in a relationship for a short while. Get some counseling where you can and learn what to look for. Give yourself time to learn about you and spend time doing things you enjoy. That way, you'll be more prepared for a healthy relationship. Trust in yourself and remember what you want in a relationship and that way you will naturally gravitate towards those who value you as a person. There are different ways in which your partner can hurt or mistreat you, such as physical abuse. Physical abuse is an intentional, unaware contact with you or something close to you, or any behavior that causes or has the intention of causing you injury, disability, or death. Examples of physical abuse include scratching, 
punching, biting, strangling, choking, or kicking. Throwing items at you like a phone, shoe, or plate. Pulling your hair. Pushing or pulling you. Or forcibly grabbing your clothes. Threatening to use or using a gun, knife, box cutter, bats, mace, or other weapons against you. Touching any parts of you without your permission or consent. Forcing you to have sex or performing sexual actions. Grabbing your face to make you look at them. Preventing you from leaving or or forcing you to go somewhere. What to do if you're experiencing physical abuse? Know that you are not alone. More than 1 in 10 high school students have already experienced physical aggression from a dating partner. And many were unequipped to respond after this happened. If you're in a similar situation, the most important thing to remember is that your partner's abuse is wrong. You deserve a healthy, loving, and respectful relationship. Commit yourself to not making excuses for your partner's abuse and ask someone you can trust to help you create a safety plan to fit your situation. Emotional abuse. Emotional abuse includes non-physical behavior such as threats, Constant monitoring or checking in, excessive texting, humiliation, intimidation, isolation, or stalking. Relationships can still be unhealthy or abusive even without physical abuse. Examples of behavior that qualify as emotional or verbal abuse include calling you names or putting you down, Telling you what to do or what to wear. Yelling or screaming at you. Intentionally embarrassing you in front of others. Or starting rumors about you. What to do if you are experiencing emotional abuse. Emotional abuse may not always cause visible harm. But it does cause emotional pain and scarring. And may lead to physical violence eventually. Constantly being criticized, told you're not good enough, or made to question your grasp on reality can cause you to lose confidence in yourself and lower your self-esteem. As a result, you may start to blame yourself for your partner's abusive behavior. Resist this impulse. Sexual abuse. Sexual abuse refers to any behavior that pressures or pressures someone else to do something sexual they do not want to do. Everyone has the right to decide what they do or don't want to do sexually and not all sexual assaults are violent attacks. Most victims of sexual assaults know their assailants and people of all genders and sexualities can be victims or perpetrators of sexual abuse. 
That includes people who are married, dating, in a friends with benefits arrangement, or just acquaintances. Examples of sexual abuse include unwanted kissing or touching, unwanted rough or violent sexual activity, refusing to use condoms or restricting someone's access to birth control. What to do if you are experiencing sexual abuse? Your safety should always be your first priority. Try to get to a safe place from your attacker where you can think through your next steps. You may be scared, angry, confused and hurt. Remember that the abuse is not your fault. Financial abuse. Financial abuse often operates in more subtle ways than other forms of abuse, but it can be just as harmful to those who experience it. Modern conditions of stark economic inequality means that financial security is directly tied to your health and well-being. No one has the right to use money or how you choose to spend it to control your actions or decisions, and no one should control your ability to work. Examples of financial abuse include giving you an allowance or monitoring what you buy, depositing your paycheck in you can work, what to do if you are experiencing financial abuse? Financial abuse is usually coupled with emotional or physical abuse. If you are not in control of your finances or if your partner has taken money from your bank account, it can be especially scary to leave an abusive relationship. Digital abuse. Digital dating abuse is the use of technology like texting, social media, and social media to bully, harass, stalk, or intimidate a partner. This behavior is often a form of verbal or emotional abuse conducted online. All communication in a healthy relationship is respectful whether in a whether in person online or over the phone all communication in a relationship is respectful whether in person online or over the phone it's never okay for your partner to use words or actions to harm you lower your self-esteem or manipulate you examples of digital abuse include telling you you can or cannot follow or be friends with someone respect your relationship boundaries always you never have to share your password with anyone you never have to send an explicit picture video or message that you are not comfortable with stalking stalking occurs when someone watches follows or harasses you repeatedly making you feel afraid or unsafe. A stalker can be someone you know, a past partner or a stranger. While the legal definition of stalking varies from place to place, examples of stalking 
behavior include showing up at your house or workplace unannounced or uninvited, sending you unwanted texts, messages, letters, emails, or voicemails, leaving you unwanted items such as gifts or flowers. What to do if you are experiencing stalking? If you are being stalked, you are going you are going to likely go through a lot of stress, vulnerability, anxiety, and other emotions you may not be able to express right now, which in turn may be affecting your sleep or concentration at work or school. Youth between the ages of 18 and 24 experience the highest rates. People assume that stalkers are strangers, but in reality, three out of four victims of stalking are harassed by someone they know. If you think you may be in danger, contact an emergency service provider to help you reach a safer place and consider obtaining a protection order to prevent your stalker from coming near you. What is dating abuse? Dating abuse can happen to any woman at any time and it means that your boyfriend does isolate you from your family and friends, bombard you with texts, check all your text messages and emails on social network accounts to keep tabs on you, physically attacking you, which includes punching, hitting, spitting, and throwing you against the wall, and neglect. This first episode was simply to share the information and create an awareness on the signs of abuse and possible contributing factors to stay trapped in an abusive relationship. My hope is that this makes you reflect on your relationships as well as knowing the signs of abuse so that you can offer help to family or friends who may find themselves in situations like this. Our next episode will go in depth into emotional and mental abuse and share a few tools you can use for your healing. We will also touch on the negative impacts that abuse has on children. I now leave you with a poem. No one is coming to save you. There is no such thing as a hero. There is only you deciding that you are worthy. No matter what type of abuse, don't be afraid to speak out. Thank you for listening.